I don't know how anybody could do any better than that, but that wonderful song. Turn to Luke chapter 2. I want to speak on the shepherd's story. It's hard to choose which part of the Christmas story is your favorite, isn't it? I mean, there are just so many wonderful parts, but I have always liked the shepherd's part, the shepherd's story. And I want us to begin with verse 8, and we'll read through verse 20. And I'll do a little teaching as we go. And then I want to draw three points of application for us from the shepherd's story. Verse 8, Luke chapter 2. Now there we're in the same country, meaning the same region of Bethlehem where the baby Jesus had just been born. They were shepherds. Shepherds was a common profession back in that day. And they were living out in their fields. Did you know that shepherding... Uh, because of the nature of the task, was a seven-day-a-week, 24-hour-a-day job. Uh, and so they literally lived out in the fields. Now, a lot of Bible scholars think that these sheep were the very sheep that would be used in the temple sacrifices, which would make this certainly appropriate because Jesus is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, and he is born in this very area where the sheep, perhaps, and the lambs, perhaps, from these very flocks were used as a picture of Christ dying on the cross when they were offered in the Old Testament era in the temple. They were keeping watch. Keeping watch means they were taking turns. Certain shepherds would sleep, and the others would watch, and then they would switch up over their flock by night. Now, it's important to watch the flock any time, but especially at night. Why? That's when some of the wild beasts would attack. That's when sometimes thieves would slip in under the cloak of darkness and steal away a sheep. And behold, now this language means immediately, an angel of the Lord stood before them. I mean, they're in the shroud of darkness. This is a UFA, an unidentified flying angel. If I had to guess, I would say it's Gabriel because he's the one named in the announcement to Mary and Joseph and Zacharias. But we're not told the name of this great angel, but uh, the angel didn't slowly appear. Just all of a sudden, bam, this glorious angel stood before them. And not only that, the glory, that means manifested perfection, of the Lord shone round about them. Uh, you know, every now and then I'm driving at night and I come across a car that has these halogen lights. I don't know about you, that's just too bright for me. The halogen lights. And uh, especially when you have some eye difficulties like I do. Well, you can think of the brightest halogen light you want to think of. It can't compare with the flashing of lights that suddenly took place around this angel and around the shepherds. And they were greatly afraid. Wouldn't you be greatly afraid? Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Uh, I have a Christmas message. I won't bore you with it this Christmas. It's called the five fear knots of Christmas. And in the Christmas story, if I remember correctly, five times we're told to fear not. Someone said there's more commands to fear not in the Bible than any other command of that nature. And, and isn't that good, especially in the day and times in which we live? And maybe today you're going through something. Maybe you're getting ready to face a surgery. And uh, you just need to hear 
the Lord is saying to his children, fear not. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Now, this, this word or words, good tidings, it's the word that means gospel. I bring you the good news of the gospel. It's of great joy, mega joy. Uh, not just good news, but it's of great joy. And it shall be to all people, every race, every nation, every kindred. It's to you, it's to me, it's to the boys, it's to the girls. It's to the oldest person, it's to the youngest person. And it's such good news of great joy that no matter how bad the bad news gets, if you've known Christ as your Savior and accepted the gospel, the good news will always outweigh the bad news. I mean, next time you feel like the whole world's caving in on you, just stop and say, well, at least I'm saved. Hey, praise the Lord, I'm saved. And that's a lot. He said... There is born unto you this day in the city of David. That would be Bethlehem. Uh, David, the great former king of Israel, probably uh, kept his sheep in the same pastures that these guys were keeping their sheep. Uh, David's hometown was Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread. So it's no accident that the bread of life, Jesus Christ, was born in the house of of bread and David was a type or a picture of Jesus in so many ways. Some of you have been studying that in a Bible study. A savior. Now notice what he says about Jesus. First, he's a savior, a deliverer. When you get saved, Jesus saves you from sin's penalty. What's that? Separation from God. Hell. Hell. These folks in uh, East Tennessee, uh, Many of them, the communication apparently has fallen down from what I've been hearing on the news. They didn't get due warning. Uh, one lady was talking to her son, and the brother of the son that she was talking to was interviewed a couple of days ago. He said, my brother said, mom was on the phone talking to my brother saying, you know, this fire is really scaring me. In fact, it's close to the house. And the lines went out, and she was burned to death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is separation from God, eternal thirsting in the darkness and the lake of fire. But Jesus saves you from that because he's the Savior. And he took that penalty. He took that payment. He took your hell on the cross. So when you accept him, you are saved from sin's penalty. But wait, it gets better. He also saves you from sin's overwhelming power. Even the best Christian will slip and stumble and fall. But if you have Christ in your heart, you will be an overcomer. You know, sometimes I stop and I think, would I even be alive today if I had not accepted Christ as my Savior as a 17-year-old boy? I mean, would I be in prison today? Oh, my life would be so... Oh, I'm so glad he saves you from sin's power. And then when you go to heaven, he saves you from sin's presence. What a Savior. He's Christ. This means the Messiah, the anointed one. Buddha's not the anointed one. Mohammed's not the anointed one. Confucius isn't the anointed one. God's anointed one is Christ. 
He's the Lord, master, owner, ruler, and God himself. In fact, uh, Cammie saying about Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means, don't you? God with us. Some of these folks say, well, I'd believe in God if he just came down here and showed us himself. He did 2,000 years ago. Look at Jesus Christ. And this will be a sign to you. These angels, this angel doesn't directly say, now you guys need to go check this out, but the angel implies it. There will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. That means strips of cloth. In those days, the mothers would wrap the newborn babies in strips of cloth to not just keep them warm, but keep their limbs straight and in good shape. And this baby will be lying in a manger. How many of you know what the word manger means? It means a feeding trough. The next time you're feeling real proud about yourself, remember that God first came to earth in a feeding trough. And I heard about a preacher and uh, he preached a fairly good sermon one Sunday and this elderly lady said, you're the, you're the greatest preacher I know of. You're better than Billy Graham. His wife overheard it and they went home and he was talking to his wife. He said, I just wonder how many really great preachers there are in this world. She said, one less than you think. <laughs> Next time you're feeling real proud, remember the great humility of God Almighty to come to this earth in baby flesh and to be laid in a feeding trough. And suddenly, just as suddenly as this angel appeared, all of a sudden, an army of angels appears, an angel with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. That's what it's all about, bringing praise and glory to God and on earth peace and goodwill toward those whom God places his favor upon and he places his favor and gives peace to anyone who will receive Christ as their Savior and receive the Christmas message by receiving Christ. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now, you know, oh yeah, it is up there, good. I hope you brought your Bible, but uh, we put this up here too so you can... You can read along there. So the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. What a meeting that must have been. Verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And another, everybody they saw in the whole Bethlehem area, they told about the same. And all who heard it marveled. They were amazed at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, sweet Mary, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary was a ponderer, and she was beginning to learn experientially what the Lord had told her about her son and all it would mean for him to be Savior. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things 
that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now that's the text. I want to draw three points of application. Number one, God came to common people. God came to common people. This passage, and the Living Bible sometimes is a good paraphrase, and I quote this from the Living Bible. Notice among yourselves, dear brothers, that few of you who follow Christ have big names or power or wealth. And they didn't say no one. I'm glad God saves powerful people, popular people, famous people. I'm glad God saves wealthy people. But the norm for God is to save and use common, ordinary people like these shepherds. Now, now, now think with me. The greatest announcement that the world has ever heard from God is about to be made. Behold, unto you this day is born in the sea of David a Savior who is Christ. That's the greatest announcement that has ever been made in the history of the world. It doesn't come to a priest in the temple. It doesn't come to a prince or a queen in the castle. It comes to common, ordinary, lowly shepherds. And shepherds in that day were actually looked down upon. The Jews looked down upon them, especially the religious crowd, because they were so busy working 24-7, they didn't have time to go to all the Jewish regulations and rituals, many that were man-made. The shepherds in that day were not even allowed to give witness or testimony in a court of law. Now I say that to say, if you were here this morning and you think, well, I wish I could sing like Cammie. Uh, I wish I could speak. I, 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 I'm shy. I'm an introvert. I, I, I wish I was beautiful. I wish I was handsome. I wish I had more charisma and, and, and then I'd really serve the Lord. Folks, it is the common People that the Lord uses. The common people. He delights in displaying his power and glory. Paul said, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And all the glory goes to God. D.L. Moody was one of the great evangelists years ago. He was a shoe salesman when God called him into the ministry. And God used him to, oh, save countless thousands of people. I mean, some of you have a Bible, and on the back it has Moody Press. That's just some of his influence still living on. And uh, he, was, he was asked to go to England to preach a crusade in London, England. And uh, one night, uh, a reporter went to hear D.L. Moody. And the next day, he wrote in his paper there in London. He said, I went to hear Mr. Moody last night. He's overweight, he speaks in a high squeaky voice, and he slaughters the king's English. I can see nothing in Mr. Moody to account for his success. And that next day when Dale Moody read that, he said, that is the secret of my success. You can see nothing in me. It is God. God uses common, average 
ordinary people to do some of his biggest work. The second thing is they uh, were responsive. And this picks up with verse 15. Look at this. So when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, then the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. I mean, they could have said, well, you know what? It's middle of the night. Let's go on and sleep on this thing, and in the morning when it gets daylight, we'll go check it out. Mm-mm. They, the Bible doesn't tell us what they did with the flock. They could have said, there's no way we're going to leave this flock here. I mean, some wolf or bear or something might come in and get one of the lambs. Somebody might steal it if, if, it's, if it's unguarded. I mean, immediately they responded to the message. And folks, that's exactly how we must respond. When the Lord speaks to me and the Lord speaks to you, respond immediately. If the Lord is speaking to anyone here this morning about being saved, don't you dare say later. Isaiah says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. That indicates if you wait too late, he may not be able to be found. Call upon him while he is near. Paul says, now is the accepted time. Not tomorrow, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It is a dangerous thing to put your salvation off. If God is dealing with you about being saved, be saved today. If God is speaking to you as a Christian about laying aside some sin in your life, don't you wait till tomorrow. Do it today. If God is speaking to you about reconciliation with someone, don't wait till tomorrow. Start today. When I was saved, I had a guitar case in my hand. I was 17, still at home, just before going to college. And I was going to rock and roll band practice. And I was walking through the den. Mom and dad were sitting out on the patio. And I had this guitar case with a guitar in it. (laughs) This was a machine gun action. No, guitar. And I was walking through the den and Billy Graham was on TV. And the Lord had been dealing with me. But I didn't even understand how to be saved. And something I know now, it was someone, the Holy Spirit, said to me, put that guitar down, forget about band practice, and listen to that man. I never listened to him. I thought he was boring. 2,000 years ago. I'm so glad I obeyed. I put that guitar case down and I sat in the chair that was as close as it could get to that TV and for the first time I heard how Jesus died for my sins on the cross. And I got down on my knees And I prayed to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. And at that very moment, God said, I've called you to preach. I've never doubted either one of them. And that's like 48 years ago. I shudder to think, what if I would have said, well, not now. I got band practice. And I would have walked out that door and gotten in that car. Folks, if God, is speaking to you. If God is speaking to you, respond and respond immediately. And then the last thing, you can't miss it. They shared the good news. Look at verse 17. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
I mean, these shepherds became evangelists. They began with the Great Commission even before Jesus laid it out in the book of Matthew for us. They just had to tell everyone about what they had experienced, what they had seen for themselves. They witnessed for Christ. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And sometimes you say, well, I, I just, I don't really know how to witness well, nobody can be saved without the gospel. Christ died for your sins, rose from the grave. You must receive him as Savior of your life. But a witness is somebody that just testifies to what they've experienced or seen. And sometimes we forget that. When we first get saved, you know, we, we tell folks, oh, let me tell you what's happened to me. You know, yesterday I had to go to the grocery store. Marsha was going to babysit, and I'd rather go to the grocery store. No. <laughs> and I thought, Jack, you know if you go to this grocery store down here in Houston, Levy, you're going to spend all your time visiting with people. And I prayed. I said, Lord, Lord, just let me run into whom you want me to run into. And I ran into four people, five actually. One was a couple. Every one of those appointments were divine appointments. I spent 45 minutes visiting and talking about what Jesus had done, and I spent about 15 minutes shopping. But I left there happy. I did forget to get a couple of things, but I was just so excited. That's a witness. I'm testifying to you today. God is so good. Just witness about what the Lord's doing in your life. And then watch the doors open. To bring people to Christ. Can I close with one last thing? Verse 18. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You say, well, that's good. They were amazed. No. I think it should have read, and all of those that heard it said, let's go see the Jesus child. They just were amazed. Don't you hear this sermon today? Don't you go through this Christmas season Every year it gets fancier and fancier with decorations, etc., etc. Don't just go through here amazed. Don't listen to the children's musical. You'll be amazed tonight at our children's Christmas musical. They're off the chart. They're so wonderful. Our next Sunday morning, our next Sunday, don't, don't just be amazed. You come to see Jesus for yourself like the shepherds did. Let's stand together and pray. Heads bowed in prayer. Is God speaking to you about salvation? He is still in the soul-saving, life-changing business. That last verse in our text today said the shepherds returned. They were still shepherds, but they were praising and glorifying God. They were never the same again. Jesus is a life changer, folks. If you truly surrender your heart and life to him, he is a life changer. And if you've never received him into your heart, receive him right now. Pray this prayer and mean every word. Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe he rose mightily from the grave. And right now, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. 
I trust you as my Savior and Lord. Take my life, all of it, and make me the kind of person you want me to be. You prayed that prayer, and you prayed that prayer for the first time, and meant it in your heart during this invitation, you come. Those shepherds didn't keep quiet. They publicly told what had happened. And you're here this morning. And, you know, because you're saved doesn't mean God quit speaking to you. Salvation is just the beginning, initial salvation from sin's penalty. He just continues to speak to you. I read in Isaiah today where Abraham was a friend of God. He's the best friend you've got. Good friends communicate with each other. And if the Lord is speaking to you about something, some sin to lay aside, something to make right, some area of service, don't hesitate. Leave the sheep. They'll be okay. Uh, the Bible doesn't indicate they lost one lamb. They'll be okay. You put first things first and obey the Lord and do His will. It may be his will for you to be baptized. You're a believer, but you've never been baptized. It may be his will for you to move your letter and become a part of this fellowship. Father, I pray today that we'll learn from the shepherd's story. In Jesus' name, amen.